Good morning. Uh, if you would join me in a prayer of thanksgiving. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, as we dig further into your word this morning, we want to give thanks. We want to thank you, Lord, for all your provisions and all the blessings you provide. We confess that we often overlook you. We don't fully understand all you've given us. Our blessings are many. Although at times we struggle in this world, we need to follow and lean on you in times of need. Not just the good times, but when life gets hard. We should expect hardships and suffering, but these are opportunities and we should rejoice in our suffering by trusting in you. Allow us to be thankful for everything in our path. You deny us no good things. Father, thank you for this church and our unity within it. Everyone, every one of us being a part of a body we're all united in you. Help us to listen for your will, not the will of man. We desire to have you be the part of every decision we make in our lives. We desire to have you be centered in our lives. You deserve all the glory and honor. Thank you for the gospel. You're the one and true God, the King of kings. You loved us enough to send your son to live among us and to demonstrate what true love looks like. Help us to be more like him. Thank you for the sacrifice he made on the cross, carrying all my sin, all our sin, for all who believe. To think that someone would love us enough, would love me enough to die for me. We don't deserve this. We deserve death and eternal condemnation. But we're saved by your grace. Thank you, Lord. God, please bless Mike and the message this morning, that it might be received with open hearts and minds, that Mike's words would be your words. But I pray that you would be here with us in this place. In your holy name, amen. You can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Chapter 13. Be visiting verses 10 through 21. Not going to take them in that order. Luke chapter 13, we'll actually be starting in verse 18, 18 through 21. Of course, this is a series on the parables, continue that series today. Pastor Scott will pick this series up later on in the year, continue on with the parables, but next week we'll be returning to Exodus. Today, for today, we have Luke chap, chapter 13, starting in verse 18, reading through 21. The mustard seed and the leaven. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? To what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made their nests in its branches. And again he said, What shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Let's pray and ask God to meet us here today. Brothers, we look at your word. We try to understand what the scripture has for us this day. 
as we try to rip apart these parables to understand so that we may apply. Father, over these last two weeks, you've given us warning to be careful how we listen. You have asked us to see through your perspective. Father, I pray that we take those two lessons and apply it to this week's message. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So just before we get into the message, I need your help. I need you guys to finish a title. This title's four words long. I'm going to give you the first three. And if you know the answer, the last word of the title, just say it out. Jack and the Beanstalk. You got an A. You all passed. You, it, for the teachers in the house, you did well. Jack and the Beanstalk, a fable, a fairy tale, used to teach moralism. Be a good person and good things will happen to you. Like magic beans that grow into the clouds overnight and geese that lay golden eggs, it's a make-believe story used to teach an idea. Anybody have a guess as to how old Jack and the Beanstalk is? Jack and the Beanstalk is an English fairy tale. It appears as the story of Jack Spriggins and the Enchanted Bean in 1734. And then again as Benjamin Tabbitt's rendition, The History of Jack and the Beanstalk in 1807. Quickly do the math. Fifteen years shy. Three you know we have some old saints in here. We don't have any that's that old. In 2013, Jack and the Beanstalk was made into, or the fable or the fairy tale or the idea of, was made into a movie. Jack and the Giant Slave. This film tells the story of Jack, a young farmhand, who must rescue a princess from a race of giants after inadvertently opening a gateway to their land in the sky. Here we are, almost 300 years later, from the first time the book was published. Making movies about it. And to the good of all of you, finishing my statement, we all knew what it was. The question we need to ask is, why did we know that? Why did we know the answer? There's no doubt that you knew the answer. Why did you know? to testify that there must have been a starting point in your life. Either somebody read you the story or you saw a TV show or a movie that depicted Jack and the Beanstalk. 
Or maybe it just keeps popping up in your life, and over time, you've just come to know about Jack and the Beast. Well, here we are, about 300 years. Here we are 2,000 years later, reading God's time that it was Jesus spoke to the disciples and all that would listen today we read about these stories for the same reason as we knew the answer to Jack and the Beanstalk someone may have read you the story of Mustard seed in the leaven. Maybe this Jesus thing just keeps popping up into your life. Over time, become familiar with it. We've said that a parable is a story using everyday common items, such as a lamp on a stand or sewing a patch of new cloth on old clothing. Today, we're going to look at two more common acts. Planting a small seed and putting leaven in the flour to make the bread rise. The question is, will you find truth out of these parables? Will you be able to apply it to your life in some way? Will you understand it? we are carefully listening listening, and looking with God's perspective, I believe it will. Both of these parables start with a question. What shall we compare the kingdom of God to and what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Why does Jesus make this comparison at this time and for these people because they have just seen a very clear picture of what the kingdom is not. We'll start at Luke 13, 10. Read through 14. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had disabling spirit for 18 years. He was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she made straight. And she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which, you, in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, but not on the Sabbath day. The man, more so the religious leaders of that day, once again putting their legalistic slant on being a good religious person. There are six days you can come and be healed, but on the Sabbath, 
That's a holy day. That's a day for worship. Don't come expecting to be healed. Jesus' response to that way of thinking is found in 15. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrite! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his oxen or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? the kingdom of God the new covenant brought here by Jesus it's why Jesus came to this earth to usher in this new kingdom of God Mark 1 John the Baptist tells us after John was arrested Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel in saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Again in Matthew 3. In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. For this is who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. The kingdom of God has always been. Brothers and sisters, it's the place we will dwell in when we leave this earth. The place that Jesus tells us he will return from, take us to where he has gone to prepare a place for us. In the kingdom of here with us. Kingdom is real. And the parable tells us the kingdom is like a small mustard seed that grows into one of the largest plants. Something small becoming the largest and a little bit of leaven affects the whole lump of dough. Why did Jesus use these parables? Why this analogy, this word picture for these people? Let's look at what they have in common. They're both small. The mustard seed in the yeast, but much comes from this little. The mustard seed grows into a tree. The birds find shelter. And the yeast worked into the flower makes the dough rise two, three, four times itself. Something else that's also common is that they're both hard to see. This mustard seed and this leaven, the tiny mustard seed, when planted in the ground would be hard to find. The yeast disappears into the flour and cannot be detected in the mixture of dough. Yet they both have big consequences. It first teaches us as individuals that there is a kingdom. When we become a seeker, when we ask ourselves, is there a God? It starts 
very small as the mustard seed is. Like we said last week, usually in a crisis moment that caused us to press pause on our everyday offense, it could be a sickness, a death, a loss of a loved one, a loss of a job, something tragic. It usually starts with a loss of some kind. And we stop and we ask ourselves, why me? Why now? What is life really about? Because we are such a self-gratifying, self-indulgent, self-sustaining people, we don't see that people all around us go through the same things that we do. They become sick, they lose loved ones, they lose their jobs. We just don't see it because it doesn't affect our day-to-day -day lives. But let something happen that does affect our day-to-day, -day, and it's why me? We start asking the question, why now? And in that moment, in that thought, we open ourselves and we open our hearts up to the, que up to the question, is there a God? Is there a purpose to life? We become a seeker. Maybe we seek for an hour. Maybe we seek for a day. Some seek for a lifetime. The truth to that question. It starts small, but it can quickly grow if it's cared for. If we seek in the right place, we will see the kingdom at work in us over time. The question is, how do you seek truth? How do you know what truth really is? You Google it, right? If you don't Google it, you definitely watch a YouTube video about it. If it's on the internet, it must be true, right? When we are in crisis mode, where do we turn? Maybe we go to church to find God, and after a couple of times you say, I'm just not getting anything out of that. And we stop going. That's because you're more than likely being fed meat when you needed milk. Put a steak down in front of an infant and see how much nutrition they receive from it. Maybe we turn to a family member or a friend and ask, do you believe in God? Do you go to church? We may or may not get the answer that leads to truth. Brothers and sisters, seeker, if you're here today, don't we just ask God? A simple, sincere prayer. God, if you're real, you're really real, will you show yourself to me this week? just like Jesus is teaching in these parables, so that the common man using common things could understand them. God knows what it will take to open your eyes to truth. It's different for every one of us how God reveals himself 
but it always leads, always leads, it always leads to the same story, the same truth. That truth is there is a God. And that truth is that he loves you very much. The second thought on the kingdom is we see the kingdom of God at work globally and over time. Jesus was referring specifically to the kingdom of God. We don't think this way enough, friends. Jesus' disciples, 12 men, and one of them sold his relationship with the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. <laughs> they still changed the world. 2,000 years ago, these 11 decided to follow Jesus. Why? Because they saw truth. Compassion, love, care, provider, comforter, teacher. See, the kingdom started small. And the kingdom has reached all around this globe. Any guess as to how many Christians there are? I Googled it. Googled it, by the way. How many Christians there are in the world today? Wikipedia says 2.4 billion. The most recent estimate of Christians in the world professing that there is a God and the way to that God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's 30, 33% of the world's population. Still a lot of work. He does. Yes, it has grown large like the mustard seed. From those 11 to 2.4 billion God's people who follow Jesus' example and show love and have compassion and care and provide for comfort and teach others. A lot of work to do. Simple, right? Just believe in Jesus. We have a tendency to make it pretty hard. Can you hear that ruler of the synagogue? You want to be a Christian? You've got to look a certain way. You've got to dress a certain way. You've got to worship a certain way. It's like that ruler in the synagogue. There's six days. Come on one of those. We're not going to heal on the Sabbath. You catch what Jesus did. Put his hand on the woman. Take you free. 
brothers and sisters, seeker, if you're struggling, Jesus is ready. Put his hand up. Are you willing to let him touch you? Let your love and life grow in such a way so that others can find shade and rest, a place to perch and sit, find comfort, as the birds do in the mustard. Birds rest in its branches. Let people find rest in you as an ambassador of the kingdom of God. So that you can point them to God and his kingdom. Kingdom that is here with us and a kingdom that will last forever. It's all about our faith. Do we believe God is real or not? Do we believe that he can see us through the storms of this life or not? God has been and continues to be the only one, the only one that can make something from nothing. He spoke and it appeared. He can make much out of what seems to be very little. When we talk about our faith, if we don't have the mustard seed faith, we can do nothing on our own. That God is real. And God can take that. Touch us. And reveal himself to us. And we know there's hope. If you're a seeker. Then seek. Ask God to reveal himself to you. I know he will. I believe he's big enough. He can find you right where you are. And he will share truth with you. Christian, if you're here saying, I believe, but it sure seems like my faith isn't growing like it should be, and it may not be. God isn't the one that needs to change. He isn't the one that needs to do more so that your faith will grow. You do. I ask you to consider how you're caring for your garden. Like the mustard seed the man took and sowed in the garden, he had to water it, he had to feed it, he had to make sure the weeds weren't growing in around it and choking it out. It took time for it to grow. Anyone here ever made bread? My wife has. I've watched her do it. Anyone that has made bread knows that it takes time. Mix everything up properly and then let it, then set it aside and let it rise. Once it rises, I don't know why or what this does, you have to knead it down, pound it down. 
compromises again. Sometimes this goes on four or five times before it's finally ready to be baked in the oven and become bread. It takes time. That's how it is with God. We have to do our part. Bible reading, praying, going to church. Not just coming to church, but getting involved. Service projects, small groups, prayer meetings. Finding some way to be discipled. That allows God to nourish us so that we may and can grow in our faith. Most of all, we need to start. We need to start seeking. We need to start learning. We need to start believing. We need to plant the seed so our mustard tree can grow. We need to dump the leaven into the flour so that the leaven can work through the whole batch so that God can have all of us. All of us and all of us. Another consideration is maybe your faith is growing. You just don't realize. Think back to where you were five years ago. Go back to, if it's beyond five years ago, to when you first became a Christian. If you're further along in your faith, God is working in your life. Slowly, steadily, your faith is maturing like a seed to a tree or yeast to a loaf. It takes time for Jesus to form us into his likeness, into his image. One thing I've learned is the more time I spend with God and with his people, the easier it is for me to surrender more and more of my life. Let me close with this. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand throne of God yes Jesus endured the cross to bring us his kingdom he invites us in, begins a work in us, and he will complete it. Jesus is our starting point and our finishing point. Philippians 1.6, for I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring, bring it to completion. A day of Jesus. Oh, that we may remember that there is kingdom waiting for us.
here. While we're here on this side of glory, we have work to do. 33% of the population believes in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Leaves a lot. Being obedient to the Master's leading and growing in our faith. When you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. God delights in doing the unexpected things. Just read his word. Dividing the Red Sea and so the Israelites can walk on dry land. A pillar of fire that led them through the night, stopping the sun so the battle could be won, protecting three boys. And yes, sending his son to die on a cross, the side of Jerusalem. Awesome things that people of that day did not expect. Jesus died on that cross. They kept asking him in the time leading up to that, when are you going to bring your kingdom? When are you going to set your rule here on this earth? Did it in a very unexpected way. Giving himself over. I praise God he was raised to. Brothers and sisters, when you pray, what are you expecting? Maybe the right question is, how is God going to answer your prayer? We don't get to choose how he answers. Our job is to ask. Perhaps we'll see something like the healing of the woman bent over for 18 years. Woman, free. Whatever God chooses to do, is something awesome. Usually something ever. Leave. Leave this place. We pray that God reveals depression. Pray with me. Father, you're so good to us. You provide, you care, you teach, you lead. You grow our faith. Father, I pray for each and every one here today, you will reveal yourself in a fresh new way this week, in a way that will grow our faith as the tiny mustard seed grows into the tree, as the leaven works through the 
whole lump. Other that your will and your ways will have reign in our life. Do all the Our closing prayer today, our closing hymn today, 713. 713. Turn there and stand, please. After we sing, there'll be a quiet moment, and then I'll dismiss us. 713.